You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, guys and gals. Uh, we're going to obviously sit down, break some bread here again, as always, on Locked On Browns. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, brought to you tonight by Blue Chew. Welcome back to our friends, Blue Chew, uh, for sponsoring the show here. Uh, hands-free devices, guys, whether it's in the car or obviously at home with Alexa or whatever you know you have at home. Play podcast Locked On Browns. Have the latest episode brought up for you uh pete you know obviously rookie camp obviously to bed here for the you know time being um but this could be an interesting week um uh, the gerald mccoy talks are picking up out of tampa where you know this is probably the week where they're going to you know make the final decision as to whether or not they're going to do with gerald mccoy whether he's going to get moved with possibly maybe even get released who knows on that front but we'll see how that plays out also starting tomorrow any free agent that signs no longer would uh, go against, you know, uh, a comp pick, you know, compensation. So anybody is truly a free agent as of tomorrow. So, Pete, I mean, we've talked about this one for months now. And, I, you know, look, let, I guess let's get into it. And if you did have to put something up for Gerald McCoy, what would you be comfortable putting up for him? Uh, I'd put up Chad Thomas and Mac Wilson. No, I mean, look, the... The, the question is, what, what are you willing to give up next year? Because, you know, if you go get Gerald McCoy at his current contract figure, it's going to cost you in the form of players next year, whether that is Demarius Randall, whether that is Joe Schobert, uh, whether that is Jarvis Landry or whatever. You're going to – whatever money you spend at this point can't be rolled over. So you, you, at this point, they can roll over $33 million uh, if they do nothing else. If if they bring in 13 million of Gerald McCoy, that means they can only roll over to 20. So basically, he's going to count against your cap twice. And I'm not saying that means you don't do it. It just now has a back end ramification where next year you have essentially 13 million dollars less than you had this year, and you're still paying him 13 million dollars. So you have to come up with that money. So if you're saying I'm we're comfortable with letting Demarius Randall walk away, that's nine million. If we're letting Greg uh, Robinson. There you go. There's your money back. There's your money back. Right. Like those are things you can do. It's just you just just sort of have to understand that, you know, this doesn't happen in a vacuum at this point. Uh, But if you're talking about draft compensation, uh, you know, I I would say probably a fourth round that could turn into a third round next, you know, this coming year well no that would not work never mind because bronze don't have a third round pick no nope. uh, that's tough you basically look at it a fourth round pick i mean the, the, and, and 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 something because you're not going to give up a second round pick uh in fact nope. i'm starting to wonder if the bronze are going to try to make some small deals here to try to get some stuff back uh it, there's there are some guys on this roster that they could try to trade for some either uh you know, small draft assets or, you know, conditional type deals, uh, which they've done in the past. Desmond Harrison jumps out wide open on that one. Uh, so if you're saying it's a draft pick, it's your fourth round. It's the only one you got, uh, unless you're going to try to go lower than that. If you're trying players, Duke Johnson doesn't really help you. Uh, it, it, granted, it, it basically almost breaks even. It's not like it's a cost-saving maneuver. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it costs you about two million dollars 
if you try to make it post June 1st and then you're eating some dead cap next year or you're basically eating like four or five million now, uh, which, you know, that 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 again comes out of money that you would get next year. So I, I actually don't think it makes sense to trade Duke Johnson for Joe McCoy. I actually think it's the opposite. I think. You, you basically want to – if you're going to add money, you basically want to add money that without giving out anything that has a cap number attached to it or I should say a, a bonus figure attached to it. So in that sense, draft picks make more sense. Uh, if you want to try to give up multiple draft picks, if you're saying like fourth and a sixth or something or a conditional something in there, that that seems to be the way to go. If, you, if you're talking about players, it's got to be guys with like no money that, that would eat them. Well, first thing for me is, look, uh, if I'm acquiring Gerald McCoy, I ain't paying him $13 million. I'm not paying a guy who's not going to start for me that kind of money. You know, Gerald McCoy is still a fine player. But if it's to the point where Tampa, Tampa's going to pull the plug because they're not going anywhere and they're just going to go out there with a bunch of young kids, uh, obviously they're in quarterback limbo as it is already. You know, so it's, you know, you know is it, you know, there's a trade agreed upon uh, as far as a contract restructure different story you know uh and yeah I, i'm with you with the compensation you know i don't think i'd go top 300 picks so obviously that takes me out of anything round three which the browns don't have anyway so it, it, in my estimation yeah that's that, that that's the route i'm gonna go it would be you know probably fourth round pick obviously you know i'm gonna try six six fifth but it, the, for me the biggest part of the gerald mccoy acquisition or a potential gerald mccoy acquisition would be the fact that there is you know, a restructure of the contract and look, just what we just said, you know, even if McCoy came in at $13 million, you move on from Randall, you move on from Greg Robinson, what you guys don't realize is the combination and the trio of Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, and Baker Mayfield right now, they jump about, the three of them combined in cap space, jump about $8 million per season, the three of them combined right now. That is a crap ton of money for three dudes, but this is what well, happened. You're, yeah, you're not... <laughs> You're not paying. You're not on the hook for J.C. Treader next year. I mean, that's seven million that you'd hopefully be paying right back. You know, for him, you're not paying Joe Schobert. Those are contracts you have to get done. So it's again, there's there's moving parts here. Um, the as for the the money, look, if you're gonna restructure him, I still think you're on the hook for a ton of money. Uh, if you want to try to lower it slightly to give him bonus money for two years, great. But if you're smart with how you rotate your defensive lineman. You know, Larry Ogunjobi, let's say they have him. Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, and Gerald McCoy should play 70% of snaps every game. Those three all should play 70% of snaps. They should effectively be starters. So Only one of them is off the field on any given down. Right. So, you know, if you're saying, well, Gerald McCoy is a backup, if they run it smartly, he's not. He's just not on the field for the very first play of the game. At that point, like your, your rush package becomes, you know, Gerald McCoy, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett and, and Olivier Vernon, and you can move things around where you could have Miles move inside with Gerald McCoy and all those fun, fun packages uh, where you're just getting after the quarterback with as many dudes as possible. But I, I look at it as at one that would be an enormous bailout uh, for this defensive line depth. You basically just have to figure out if Carl Davis can do, give you something, or just uh, or just play the fourth line. quarter in any blowout. <laughs> There you right. go. I'll go get your reps. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, look, if you've done correctly, the money is not an issue for me because you, you're going to get every bit of it out of them. If you rotate like shit 
and you you know you're only getting 50 percent of the snaps out of Gerald McCoy. That means means you you need a new defensive line coach slash defensive coordinator to figure sort that out because that should be a thing of beauty if you run correctly. It's the same thing with Gennard Avery at the defensive ends. Like that's the dream scenario, which is what what makes that such an intriguing prospect. Obviously, it was a little more intriguing before they got Sheldon Richardson, but again, done correctly you should have the exact same snap counts for all those guys and no issue whatsoever. And if you, if you're saying that if you're, you know, you're saying he's physically diminished slightly, then you're going to have to figure that out money wise and then snap wise that I can understand. But if you're saying Gerald McCoy still got his, his, you know, elite game, which he's had for however many years, uh, I have no issue with paying for it other than, you know, you're going to sort of negotiate to get, more guaranteed in there to hopefully lessen the cap, not uh, not only this year, but really it becomes about next year. Uh, you don't want to pay thirteen million naked for two years. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just I mean, because the acquisition of it, it just seems so easy, and it it seems like if you haven't addressed this at all, I I, I can't believe they just will just look at this. You know, other than Sheldon Richards and say, well, I mean, obviously Olivia Vernon, but nothing on the interior and you're going to go with the same guys and you know, I, you know look I understand kind of what Greg did you know we all of a sudden he got weird like wow we're in this you know I don't want to do anything to screw it up and you know it, it, you know he, there's times where you don't want to take guys off the field but this would give you the luxury of giving the guys the green light to say hey ooh I took something to the ribs let me get off the field because let me get a quick blow because there's plenty of capable guys to come in here and do it, it it's it's just a it, 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 it'd be nice. It'd be perfect, and ugh, good Lord, would it be an asset. And for the passing situations, if this all goes the way it does, the passing situations that the defense is going to be in, I mean, to be able to rotate six, seven guys that you trust and then, you know, keep around just a couple of bodies, you know, you can throw out there for a snap or two. Uh, no, not you, Chad Thomas. More Carl Davis. But uh, so that's that, and look, we'll see how it plays out because apparently Tampa, it's – it's getting to the point where the decision is going to be made on that. Pete, like I said, there are free agents, and tomorrow will be, you know, the day where, look, he can sign, and, you know, no comp picks will be given up, anything of that nature. Is there really anything left that's even somewhat appealing? If you couldn't pull off Gerald McCoy, you know, obviously we mentioned Danny Shelton a bunch, but is there really anything left that's really of any interest? There are guys. It's just a question of, again, you end up in a situation where, Zach Brown, you know, is a good, good player who doesn't get the long-term deal he wants. So ultimately, you know, it, it takes a, in this case, a one-year, $3 million deal to first be a starter. That You know, that's why the Browns were already out. They weren't going to, you know, they couldn't guarantee him that. Chris Kirksey was just going to get that job. Uh, and then you have to... Uh, if the if there's a starting job there or a role that's attractive that you get that cheap one year deal and you're in a situation where you can sort of you know offer them that they're, they're you're a legit contender and all these things that it becomes attractive. The problem is I don't see guys other than like a Danny Shelton he's a role player where you're you're sitting there going we can offer a really attractive job uh, with. You know, a, a decent amount of money that's going to put you in a position where you can, you know, maximize your value so you can get back out there next year uh, and you know potentially get get that money back that you you felt like you didn't get this year. That's where it becomes difficult. So, like a guy like Kayvon Webster, for example, I think is still sitting out there. 
He's a talented player, but there's no way that he, first the Browns have eight thousand corners. Yep. But you know, I'm looking at him, and you, like the Colts might be an example uh, of it might be able to attract him, or the Bucks or somebody like that. That you know, if they've got the money and they've got a role, and he likes the fit for a year, he may take less to try to get himself out there. I mean, as much as it seems reasonable for some of these guys, like maybe a Zach Brown in this case, to like sit out the year and sort of wait. Um, it doesn't really make sense, really work that way. You, you sort of get forgotten too quickly. But the other the other guy that's sitting out there, it's going to go somewhere, is Indomitian Sue. And this may, may not happen until training camp, most importantly after most of training camp. But <laughs> Call me August 25th. <laughs> right. This is definitely a guy who's going to get paid a good chunk of money. And it, 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 the amount of money and responsibility you put on him is going to be key. He is no longer a you know, 70% snap guy. It just doesn't happen. But if you can get him down to 50 and you can be happy with the money you're going to get at that, then he can be an absolute monster for you. But, again, I, I just don't see a guy out there that's sitting there. Uh, maybe there's a safety I'm not aware of that is uh, right now of available where you're going man you know a late get i mean the, the the one that will come up is trey boston and he if if the, if the browns find themselves in a situation where you know trey boston going I've, I've i've played for coach Wilkes before i can come in and do that and and you know even with he's he's better than what they've got right now they can fill that role at that strong safety spot in the way that they're going to ask Shelter Redwine to do that. So if there's a situation where he's like, "Yeah, I'll come and do that uh, for however you know a couple million for this season," then I could see that one. But again, the issue is: is he going to be happy with the amount of guys here, and that becomes a real challenge. So, uh, nor there are situations where I could see the Browns making a pitch, but I there you know whether it's money's out there from teams that aren't very good and you're happy to go get some of it for a year uh, that, that you can get more uh, and potentially reestablish or confirm your value in your mind to get more money next year. The Browns are limited in what they can offer, particularly in the playing time department. Uh, exactly. It, would be like a, it wouldn't be a, hey, we really need you. It'd be like, hey, you want to come along for the ride. And... It'll be interesting. Uh, and Dominic and Sue, it's he's going to be the most interesting one of all of these guys because he it's been major money every step throughout, and it'll be interesting to see if you know if it's four or five mil if Dominic and Sue really cares that much about playing anymore. Guy has made a stinking boatload of money. Uh, guys, we're going to get here to in a minute as uh, Pete gets ready to tell you about the fine product. Over at BlueChew.com. We're going to get to the uh, NFL.com uh, article that put out today. They uh, tried to do a quick predi- early prediction on the all-rookie team. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, last year you would have said, oh, maybe there was a chance, you know, four to five Browns could have made it. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a little bit different this year. So uh, Pete's going to hit you folks with all the great stuff you need to know from Blue Chew. Guys, when it comes to sex, and you, you're a guy who gets to be up to about, you know, let's say Jeff's age, and... <laughs> It's not about it's not about if you can muster up your A game. It's a matter of consistency. You just want to make sure you always have it because, listen, if if you're you're married and you have kids and and maybe you don't get as many at bats as you'd like, you'd certainly like to make the at bats you do get uh, the most out of them. And 
you know, maybe that gets you a few more at-bats. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Make sure you have your A game uh, to be able to deliver the mail. Uh, because at the end of the day, whether it's Mrs. Lloyd or anyone else, if it's just a matter of getting a piece of gum in there that's going to make the difference, she's not going to care. She's only worried about him getting, making sure he, he cleans up at those at-bats that he gets the opportunity of. Uh, so do the right thing. Make the wife happy. Uh, make yourself happy. This is an easy way to do it. Uh, chewable, uh, you know, it's a chewable product, the first of its kind that has the same FDA approved ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. And, you know, without the pill and you know, those things work, uh, you can take them anytime, day or night on a full stomach. Uh, and they're, and since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. So you find yourself in a situation, uh, the kids are out, you know, Mrs. Lloyd's home, and 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 it's time to batter up. Go ahead and pop in a blue chew, and make sure you do it right. And guys, uh, I'd be, first off, I've never laughed so hard in my life. But uh, go and uh, obviously check it out. Uh, use promo code Locked On, uh, but BlueChew.com, guys. If you need it, you're looking for something. Go ahead, check out BlueChew.com. I will officially have Pete do my celebrity roast one day, guys. That's where we're headed with this. But getting to the article from NFL.com, where they tried to do an early prediction of the you know all rookie team. It's you know look, this is what you do to pass the time here these time this time of year, and obviously when you got to continuously put out content, and that's part of your gig. This is what you do. Uh, Pete, quarterback Kyler Murray. I mean, first of all, nobody's going to get if you want to use the at bats. Nobody should be getting more of the at bats than Kyler Murray. You got to figure this is probably an easy one. Maybe uh, the 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 wild card here for me is Dwayne Haskins and how fast they want to go with that. Um, there's more stability in Washington and, and, and not in terms of the organization because that's always a mess. But there's far better offensive line protection. There are some weapons there that you can at least get some production out of. Uh, that's the issue with Kyler Murray. I, I, all that makes all the sense in the world that he could win it. But even his, you know, other than Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, the, the key will be for them first and foremost make David Johnson good, uh, make him part of the passing game to ensure that he's good. Uh, you've, they've got Christian Kirk still there, but other than that, it's a lot of rookies. Uh, you know, obviously Andy Isabella is there as a rookie. Uh, they got uh, Hakeem Butler as a rookie. They've got a lot of interesting pieces, but they're all super young. So he's going to have a lot of interesting numbers, I think, at the end of the season. Uh, certainly he should have his share of rushing yards. Uh, the issue is if he goes in there and has, like, let's say he throws for 18 touchdowns, but, like, 23 interceptions – and has some fumbles and stuff like that where he could hurt himself where maybe a Dwayne Haskins comes in and all he has to do is win a couple of games and sort of look the part and he might draw in of those votes. I do agree that Kyler Murray is the prohibitive favorite, but I, I do, you know, if Washington and we'll see if, if they're smart with this or not, if they try to get him in there early uh, because he's going to look, he's going to walk in there. He's going to look like a monster in terms of how is just, Physically impressive. The ball comes out of his hand like a, a rocket, and all these other things uh, that he may end up being the the week one starter, and that could at least be a comp- competition. Uh, 
it would that'll be interesting if they will yeah, because I, obviously they made the move for the veteran quarterback and if the way we've talked about Dwayne Haskins is is it's not put him out there right away if you think that's you know if that's what's best for Dwayne Haskins is not to start right away Arizona it's they're just not going to get out of their own way. It's going to go that way. I think the rushing ability, um, and the thing would be, the thing would be with Haskins, if he got to start, I'd say anywhere by what week five or six, and somehow Washington snuck into a wild card. That could be the difference between him and Kyler Murray. But you figure if everything goes right, Kyler Murray's going to get to start 16 games. Should have a great statistical well, output. Steve Kime said they're starting week one. I mean... Well, then meanwhile, <laughs> other people in the building are saying, whoa, 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 no, we're not sure yet. He's not guaranteed anything, so... As they should, because I think that was a D move. Uh, for oh, a guy. exactly. My cynical, my cynical viewpoint of uh, he... Uh, you know, he didn't really want this guy. He wanted Josh Rose, and he was sort of forced into this. So he amped up the pressure on his coach a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, then we get to the uh, running back position. Uh, David Montgomery, I think he actually landed into a great spot. And then Josh Jacobs has you two running backs. Uh, we're not going to – nobody's going to put a fullback on the list, guys. So David Montgomery, uh, I'm not so sure on Josh Jacobs, but I think David Mo- Montgomery was a nice selection here. Yeah, I, he, he's certainly a guy that's going to have opportunities, uh, and that's really what it comes down to. Are you are you going to get opportunities, and are you going to be in a system that's relatively competent? Uh, the one thing I will say for Josh Jacobs, I don't like him. I don't think he's going to be that great. He has a incredibly good offensive line uh, to help him. You've got Gabe Jackson. You've got Rodney, uh, whatever Florida State dude, who's really good. Hudson. Rodney Hudson, who's a really good player. You've got uh, you've got. Uh, Colton Miller coming into second year. You've still got Donald Penn, I think. Uh, he may or, be in limbo, I think, but yeah. Well, well no, they brought in they brought in somebody else, and then the Patriots. Brown. Yeah, they, yeah, that's him. Trenton Brown's in there. They're at least talking like Trent, Trenton Brown's going to be the uh, left tackle still for right now. Colton uh-huh. Miller's going to be the right tackle. No, I think they uh, I think they said it the other way. For right now, it's Miller and Brown's on the right side, which makes it even more interesting that you paid him all that money if you were just going to put him at right tackle. Or maybe true. you're just trying to be nice, a little nice to Colton Miller here at this point in time. So you have a lot of guys up front. I think the only position that they're sort of in limbo on, on, on getting sorted out, I mean, they've got their two tackles wherever they line up. I think his left guard uh, – but other than that, you're sort of in a position where, you know, he could have some successful running uh, running the football. But I, I do think whether it's David Montgomery or somebody, it's never the guy it's supposed to be. With Saquon Barkley, you know, obviously great. That's largely an exception. It tends to be somebody that came out of nowhere uh, just because they tend to be on a good team uh, that's balanced and has opportunities. Or to somebody be. got hurt. Or somebody got hurt. But like Benny Snell, be- Benny Snell. If something happened to uh, the pit, uh, the pit running back, but the pit kid, James like, Conner. Yeah. There you go, James Conner. If something happened there, you know, Benny Snell might walk into a really nice position. Well, like Saquon Barkley was obviously the dude last year, but at the same time, the Broncos had a kid who, any other year, is the best running back in a rookie class, and he was an undrafted free agent. Uh, that's tends to be how this thing goes, and and obviously, great backs tend to round into form and. Uh, figured out, but it largely is as a result of the team around them getting sorted out, uh, and and that's where the Raiders might fall short in that they don't have as many pat, pass receiving threats. I mean, they've got Antonio Brown, they've got 
the the dude from the Chargers, and they've got Derek Carr, and it's going to be a question of can they get those guys to operate at a f- full level. So in that sense, I, I definitely think Josh Jackson has a real chance. Uh, but like I said, the uh, the the smaller guy tends to win these things. Uh, you know, I think there's always a little bit of a premium put on the fact that they're an undrafted guy or a low late round guy that gives them, you know, the, the underdog story. So Dave Montgomery is certainly a reasonable choice. Yeah, uh, with Jacobs, though, I mean, for him to make this list, you're going to basically ask for the greatest statistical output of his entire life. Well, I mean, I don't know his high school numbers, but for what he's done his three years in Tuscaloosa, yep. uh, it, it's safe to put him in there as a front runner. But, uh, you know, don't get confused by the fact that Jalen Richards there and, you know, John Gruden loves, loves them little small shifty backs who can get things done, especially on second and nine, third and seven, those types of situations. Wide receiver position, um, Debo Samuel out of San Francisco, pick I absolutely loved. The other one is Pete's number one, what was Pete's number one overall wide receiver, Nikhil Harry. I think what's going to depend on Nikhil Harry is what are you going to get out of you know the free agent signing of Thomas, and where is Josh Gordon in this scenario? Because if both those are playing well, it's going to be a tough spot for Harry, but this isn't a terrible pick because you're just figuring if you know bill must see something in him because bill does not draft wide receivers round one so they must feel that you know there there could be something that could work between him and tom but he's a little bit of the wild card here because it's going to come down to josh gordon being able to play and whether or not Demarius thomas is even a shell of what he was and he wasn't looking so much like it in denver and houston last year and now you're asking a guy a veteran his age to come back from an achilles i have a really difficult time seeing Debo win this I, I love the pick I love the fit but they've got Kittle coming off that outstanding year and Dante Pettis was pretty damn good uh, I think the Patriots you know Nikhil Harry I think has a much better shot simply because you know Julian Edelman and then guys like there's not you know that other obvious presence uh with that so unless Gordon, and the, unless Gordon can be there but I mean that's like you know <laughs> and, and then my dark horse pick for that is Marquise Brown. Uh, you know, it's not it's not going to take you know a ton of yards. It's it's big splash plays, and he's going to be in position where he, he could catch fifty balls and have almost nine hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Right, and that's why ultimately I think he's the best chance to win this. Uh, it, it, that defense, the, the, the offense they're going to run is a really really difficult thing to defend. And it will it will create opportunities for him. They're going to have to, you know, if they can run it effectively, and Lamar can make the throws. It, it, let's put it this way: if Marquise Brown doesn't win, it's because we're look, he either got hurt or we're looking at a lot of balls that sailed uh, nowhere near him and a lot of sad faces in the Baltimore or- organization. Well, well, you know, I'd love for them to give Lamar a legit shot, but you know the way this is going to work. It's going to be a lot of run. It's going to be a lot of dump offs to tight ends. And then three to you know two to three shots per game to hit Hollywood. Just one per game, he's going to be in great shape. Yeah, <laughs> could be sixty. I mean, honestly, yards. If, if he can, if he has, you know, basically one per game at twenty yards plus each, and a couple, you know, like a couple fifty plus, I think that's all it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, he'll never be a high volume guy, but the bang for the buck is certainly going to be there in spades. Uh, tight end, they went with T.J. Hawkinson. I could easily see this being Fant. Just because, well, they're both going to have the advantage of, I don't think either team is going to be very good. But Hawkinson, it's going to come down to whether or not they're going to bring the 
the value of blocking into it, and there is Jesse James there. Um, there are a bunch of tight ends in Denver, but it, it, but it's Denver, and they do what they do. But if it's Noah Fant, I mean, he's going to come in and be the most most athletic of the bunch. They went Hawkinson. I'd go Fant, but your choice here, Pete. I, I would go Fant 100%. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the Detroit Lions, he's got a he's back behind. Uh, Kenny Galladay and the other dude from Cal, uh, who's really really good, Marvin Jones. That, Marvin Jones. I mean, those those are a, a great one-two punch at receiver. Uh, so it's really difficult for a guy like Hawkins, and, and he'll he'll produce. I mean, he'll he'll have his opportunities. But meanwhile, you're looking at Emmanuel Sanders, and and then there's and the other guy, uh, the kid Fred. from SMU. Yeah, Cortland Sutton, who wasn't good as a rookie. So, I mean, he maybe he has a big, big, you know, year two. But, I mean, if you're comparing situations... And the other one out of Penn State, uh, Hamilton, right? Yeah, yeah Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah. And that guy named Fred. You know, there's not just, there's just not much <laughs> in Denver that's sitting there, like, worrying you. I, like, the thing with... If you're basically... If you're betting on Detroit, you're basically saying that the pass offense is going to be so productive and so good. And, you know, it certainly can be. Matt, Matt Stafford's a good, very good quarterback. And they've got two receive two receiving threats that are really really good players. You're basically saying that because we have so much good that this guy is going to basically get enough yardage by virtue of everything being so effective that it's not going to matter. If you're making the argument for Fant, you're basically saying this offense is not very good uh, and that he's going to need to carry the load. Uh, and there may be a lot less yardage overall, but he he may get a higher percentage of it. So. I will go with Fant on that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. You know, as I said, uh, you know, Hawkinson and, and you signed Jesse James, and maybe you're going to ease him in a little bit into it with T.J. Hawkinson through his rookie year. Interior offensive lineman Garrett Bradbury, one of the few picks, Pete, we were able to na- you were able to nail correctly. Um, should do a fantastic job in Minnesota. Uh, Dalton Reisner is obviously going to go inside in Denver, and then Chris Lindstrom. Uh, 14 and still seeing it like it, it still seems a little crazy high. Uh, we definitely value the player. We love the player. 14 still seems high, but those would be the three guys on the interior. Oh man, I of those. Um, if, well, the weirdest I, thing about this is there's uh, Jonah Williams isn't on here. Maybe they weren't sure where to slot Jonah Williams, but you you would figure for where he went, he would have you know been somewhere in this. Yeah, so I'm going to say Chris Lindstrom. Uh, I, I think he, I, I think he will be the best of the bunch out of the gate. Uh, I think Garrett Brad, Bradbury may get more credit because if he's good, it will make a substantial difference in their offense. Whereas if if uh, Lindstrom is good, you know you're basically plugging in next to Alex Mack. Uh, and you're probably not going to get near as much credit. But I think if you're just talking about who's the best of the bunch, I think Chris Lindstrom's going to be the best guy. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess Lindstrom will be the best guy. Uh, Reisner, yeah, I mean, I don't have an issue with the selection. Uh, you know, should help Philip Lindsay and get the ground game going. Uh, whatever with Joe Flacco, they got the whole weird dynamic there of Locke and Flacco. So I'm okay there. The, the tackles are kind of where it gets weird. Uh, they've got Caleb McGarry. And Greg Little, for God's sakes, this this is where it gets becomes of a head scratcher. McGarry, I guess it's a safe bet because you know he's going to be plug and play. Now two rookies are going to go in with three veterans to the Atlanta Falcons offensive line. Um, Greg Little, 
I don't even. I'm not even positive Greg Little's going to start Week One, Pete. <laughs> right. So you know, based on the choices, I'd say Caleb McGarry. I mean, I, I think Jonah Williams is going to play tackle one way or the other. Uh, whether that's good or bad, I'm not sure. But he may be the best coming out before everybody else basically passes by and his average skill set. Um, I'm not sure why neither of the Tennessee tackles are on this because those dudes are going to play. Um, and in that scenario, I guess if you if you ask me overall, I'd take Max Sharping to come out and, and be the best of those those guys. It's Yeah, it, it's weird how that one went. Um, now we go and we'll slip it over here, but before we do, guys, we get to the defensive side of the ball. iTunes rating reviews. Always help the show. Obviously, they always, you know, draw draw new listeners. Uh, go ahead, drop a five star, drop a written review here. It looks like we're gonna do the Hiram thing. Uh, if you want to drop a oh, comment, did you, did you do some polling on that? It's it seems to be something that people want, Pete. It seems to be something. Morbid curiosity, man. Yeah, and also, you know, we've talked a little bit, and I kind of told Hiram, Hiram there was some ground rules and things that were not going to be allowed to be said. He seems like a play ball on era, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, And if you want to talk about maybe what was the greatest live read in the history of Locked On Browns history, go ahead and drop a comment on that. Because You're goddamn right. I'm still over here freaking laughing my ass off. I am definitely going to have to make Mrs. Lloyd listen to that one. She's going to get a good kick out of that one. But iTunes rating reviews, guys. Go ahead. Drop some over there for us now. it. <laughs> Uh, we flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. And this, it, it gets a little even, like, crazier here. Uh, defensive tackle, Greg Gaines, who was a fourth-round selection, 134 overall to the Rams. And Ed Oliver, this one I got zero issue with. Ed Oliver, uh, Buffalo, uh, obviously, you know, pick nine overall. I, I, it seems weird that you win Gaines here when, you know, Quinn and Williams is probably going to take every single rep for the New York Jets, Pete. Yeah, it's Quinn Williams and everybody else. Uh, that, that's you know he's a star. Uh, but, you know he's got to prove it. But obviously, he's the the guy. And if it's not him, it's Ed Oliver. I mean, those two guys should, you know, re- even for rookies, should come in and play remarkably well. Uh, they just are problems, and it's going to take some some getting used to for people to sort of adjust to that. Uh, you know, the, there's an element of with you know players are sitting there going. He's not he, he he's not uh, Aaron Donald. I'm not worried about him. And then he starts doing shit, and you know he'll earn that respect and and should cause some problems. But uh, those two guys are are going to be fantastic watches. Greg Gaines is great. Uh, I really like him as a rotational nose. I don't know why he's. I mean, if that has a chance to really make some noise, great. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he can be a really nice player for the Rams, but, uh, yeah, it's it's the two top ten guys. It seems really weird to disrespect the guy who was the best player in this draft. And then we get even a little murkier as we move on down. So, instead, they did not choose Quinn and Williams, but they did choose, as the two edge guys and outside pass rushers, Nick Bosa. Uh, you can't go wrong, I guess, with putting the number two overall selection in this scenario. And you go with J- Ja'Kai Polite, Pete. Uh, well, that's you know if, he's going to wanna... get he, he'll get every opportunity early to prove himself because there is no other pass rusher in New York. But whew, that's going yeah. out on a limb. Yeah, if you are uh, if you're tra- if you if you're going to go with the lightning in a bottle theory, I guess I kind of understand it. Um, I'm not sure 
it's very terribly realistic, but nevertheless, um, I guess I sort of understand. But you know, if I'm basing it off actual edge players that were selected in this draft, you know, Nick Bosa is obviously going to be the favorite. Uh, but you know, there's guys like Jalen Ferguson who are you know really well fit for the teams they're on that could make some noise. Uh, they're Brian Burns even. I mean, you know, I mean, he's he's going to get every opportunity to, to pass rush every single down. They think it's going to happen. You know, I don't know why he, he would have went with Polite over him. I would hope so, but yeah, it, it, this largely comes down to name recognition, uh, which is whatever. That's fine. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know why it's Polite because there are way better options. Uh, but Nick Bosa is obviously going to be a safe bet between those two. Yes, well, I mean, you know, one of the two there, but I mean, I guess maybe you're shooting your shot with a couple of those. And then three linebackers, and look, I don't know exactly what Jacksonville's plan is for Josh Allen, but I I, keep, I hate to keep seeing Josh Allen listed as a linebacker, but your linebackers, obviously, the three top selected, Devin Bush, Devin White, Josh Allen. Well, I mean, I, I guess if you're listing Josh Allen as a linebacker, it's like, because he actually was when he originally came into the and I guess in some respects, some people still do, uh, you know, Von Miller was called a linebacker. So based on that, I, I guess you can certainly make the case. I don't think, you know, he's going to be functioning an edge rusher, but that's also why he's going to be able to be in a situation where he's putting up stupid numbers uh, relative to the field. It's, you know, it, it's not often that you get to those situations where you have uh, the kid out of you know the kid with the Colts last year out of South Carolina State, uh, Dar- you know Darius, uh, whatever Leonard, Darius Leonard who can put up just stupid numbers at that off-ball linebacker position, and you know when when you've got and this is you know obviously a thing that happens with Pro Bowl vote- voting and stuff like that, you get you know pass rushers who are putting that outside linebacker category by virtue of the fact that they're putting up sacks and all these numbers, even though they're really edge rushers, so. Josh Allen is going to get a substantial bump out of that, and for that reason, I will say it's Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think I have an issue. I, I truly believe I think that both uh, both the Devins should walk right in and you know probably put up close to 100 tackle seasons if they play 16 games. Uh, that was never a debate about whether or not the production was those guys. I mean, the debate on those guys was just you know, minute. I mean, that's how close these guys were as players when he got down to it. Uh, the cornerbacks, uh, for, uh, DeAndre Baker and. Well, maybe a little NFL.com loves their L.A. David Long, Rams. Those are my choices? Well, no, these mean? are the two that made it. This is the two in the NFL.com article. DeAndre Baker and David Long. Because uh, the answer is neither. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with DeAndre Baker out of those two. I think Justin Lane and, and Greedy Williams have substantially better chances to contribute earlier. A guy like uh, Sean Bunting with Tampa – those are guys that uh, are going to play a lot. You know, Greedy Williams obviously have to prove it, but uh, Justin Land, I have no doubt, will will play a ton. Uh, Sean Bunting's going to play a ton. Those are way more viable candidates than the ones they mentioned. Yeah, uh, at least with Baker, they did mention Julian Love being there, and obviously the Giants have added a ton at the cornerback position. But uh, you know, Baker may walk. John Joe Baker walking there as a nickel corner, so to put him on this list would be interesting. Long, you've got Peters, you've got Tlaib. Um, I, I just, 
I don't know how you put those two on there. Um, yeah, I would have more faith in Greedy Williams. Uh, I think Justin Lane, obviously, I think they got gifted a guy that can, you know, match up with length players, you know, length on length in that scenario. It'd be fun to see this, and this is one I'm going to make sure that I uh, dog ear. We can go ahead and revisit you know, somewhere around January. The two safeties, obviously, they went simple with the, yeah, obviously, first safety off the board, Darnell Savage, obviously, Green Bay Packers, and uh, Nasir Adderley, and again, an L.A. team, L.A. Chargers, Nusir Adderley. Uh, it was the two they chose here as your two safety positions for their all-rookie team, Pete. I'll go with Adderley. I think he can be uh, a good player right now, and I think he's going to play more than maybe people anticipate because I think it allows them to have uh, their dude from last year just play a lot of slot and box and, and blitz and do sort of be that true joker option that they can have do all kinds of things and Nasir Adderley can still be aggressive while being a back-end defender because that's really what he is uh that really allows them to do a lot of different things defensively that should be really interesting to watch yes so uh thanks to uh Chad Reuter for the article over there from nfl.com and uh, we'll get kick it on over now here for a couple of listener questions that we do have do always appreciate you guys for that so let's see here where we have here and we have, um, first things first, from Chandler Adams. Legitimate question. Who do you guys think can stop a Monken Kitchens offense when six is the QB and you can roll out Odell? Callaway, Chubb, Najoku. He didn't finish, so I'll, I will hunt <laughs> Landry. Um, there's just so much more. And <sighs> Pete, it's... If they do it right, and if Baker understands that even if he does make a mistake, you do you know you still take it a play at a time and don't try to get everything back like the Houston game, where you try to throw a 21-point touchdown pass. As long as Baker can harness himself, the only people that really can stop the Browns are going to be themselves. Pete, New England stands out to me. <laughs> Um, obviously by virtue of the fact that, you know, they, 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 they just do it. I mean, you can question their talent and there's certain a lot of reasons to question their talent, but yeah, man, they're, they're just difficult to do, you know, to, to count it off from that standpoint, the chargers with this defense, the way they're going is interesting as a challenge for that. They've just got a lot of really good players. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they have, the means to really change up their personnel. I mean, you've got Joey Bosa, you've got uh, Melvin Ingram, you just added uh, J- Jerry Tillery, you just added Nasir Adderley, you already had a stud safety there. You've got... But that's good- also the thing with Derwin James, can do he can do anything. If you're asking him to maybe try to line up and take a tight end of a game, he can probably do that. He can do great run support. Um, if you just decide you want to blitz him six or seven times or just have him pass rush... I mean, yeah, Chargers are a good selection here because what that defense brings you is extreme versatility and a great varying of the roles that they can do with that defense. And that's one team that's got to scare the living daylights out of you. And the Colts are no no slouch, and they've they've added to get better. So those are teams, you know, and it's the Browns are a bitch to deal with now. But, you know, those are teams that have proven things and shown that they can be really competitive and certainly, you know, as good as the Ravens or the Ravens, they were that bad against the Patriots. 
Uh, so they're not without question, but at the same time, you're looking at the Browns and you're going, what's Austin Corbett going to look like? Can we count on Greg Robinson? Is Chris Hubbard going to be worth a shit? Uh, you know, what? How's, how's the passing game going to work? Is Duke Johnson going to be here? What are those things going to look like? I mean, there, there, there are a lot of reasons to say the Browns are are going to be an unbelievably powerful offense, and they should be. But they are, you know, they are not without questions, just like some of these defenses aren't without questions. But the Chargers, Colts, and Patriots are the ones that jump out at you. I agree. There, uh, Chiefs just maybe not en- not enough on defense, and maybe just lost too much. Um, from Lucky, how far is the upside for this team if they can get off to a good start? Say three and one, three and one, Pete. They start out three and one. They you're talking twelve. And, yeah, I mean you're talking legit, legit, legit because that back end, and I still laugh about that back end. That's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, if you get through the front that those first six games, you go two and four, you're still fine. Um, it, you know, it, it will be ugly in terms of media. I expect uh, there will be, you know, it will not be pleasant that point. But two and four, they're in good shape uh, it, as long as they take care of business as they should on the back end. Uh, if they come out three and one, uh, and and they're they're in a position where they do no less than three and three at that top six, they're they're going to be extremely happy and maybe momentum and 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 sort of under, getting a feel for who they are and hitting their stride early with it so they can go four and two in those first six games. But yeah, everything if they can start out two and zero, oh, everything is is lines up really well for them. They could lose four in a row. And still be good. But getting getting out of the gate, getting a couple under their belt, uh, sort of understanding it. It's not, you know, understanding that they they can compete. They they've you know essentially confirmed what they they should already know that they they can be a very good team. But you're taking out, you know, two teams that at least have playoff playoff aspirations, even if maybe they're not realistic in terms of the Jets. But Tennessee is you know the team that has been trying to say. You know, we're eight and eight. We're seven and nine. Was it going to take over the hump? And that's better than the Browns have been, other than you know seven, eight, one last year. But the Titans have been like eight and eight and nine and seven. Those are better records than the Browns have had. And they're they're sitting there going, the Browns are an opportunity for us to make sure we go ten and six and and clinch to get to a playoff spot. So two and zero is really, really, really good situation if they can get there. Yeah, two and zero would be the key. I mean, you take out you if you want this to go the way you want it to go. You have to start. You have to win the games that should be wins. Tennessee at home should be a win. The Jets look uh, obviously a lot added. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to have to find a way to work his work his way in with that Jets team. And part of it is is you know Le'Veon with his delayed running style. And it, it's fine when you know the offensive line in front of you and you've played him behind him for a couple of years. It's going to be a lot different, especially where he's probably not going to do much in the preseason. So it's going to be, for him to hit full effectiveness, it'll probably be well after week two. So get out 2-0, and and then, oh, man, maybe you can even get the 3-1. It's, you know, start putting up the, start printing up the playoff tickets. That is the way it's going to work there. Pete, is there anything we missed in this one, bud? Yeah, uh, we were both loud wrong on Darren Hall. Um, I don't know yeah, that was why. Cool. I don't know if that's you know a case where they, they basically he came in they're like boy this kid can't play and waved him if there was a behavioral thing exactly like, that was the first one I was thinking is did he somehow rub somebody the wrong way and first thinking would be is did he go in there with a I should have been drafted 
I'm pissed off that it'll be UDFA and maybe turn some guys' noses the wrong way because. So that's you know a possibility. You know is you know there, there's a couple ways you can read in this. First, first it's looking at Darren Hall, going, "What did Darren Hall do?" The other way to look at that is, does this you know does this mean that they are in fact happy with Duke Johnson and they're not going to get rid of him and this guy would represent an you know reps not gained. Uh, by somebody else that shouldn't happen, unclear. Uh, but or it's possible they really like that. Demonte May from last year was on the practice squad at the end of the year. Uh, who's a bigger back? Uh, you know, they may really like my, uh, Hilliard. Those are all fine. It's it's just un- I'm I'm still amazed he got cut that quickly. That to me suggests again I have no evidence to support this. That suggests behavioral. Like something happened, or you know, something somebody was rubbed the wrong way, or something. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, I, you know, you had him on the team. I thought he was going to be one of the top three guys, most likely to make the team, and he's gone in a weekend. So yeah, not great. Yeah, and it just you know, interesting how this all plays out, and you know, yeah, obviously, you probably won't get much speak on a UDFA. But we'd love to know the tale of the story on that one. Uh, guys, go ahead and make sure you're following Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, new project in the works. We'll be getting started soon over there. Um, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. We always keep it follow back, guys. Um, continue to you know feed great stuff to us over there. Any, anything in the DMs, obviously, for those of you who aren't big on social media. I truly get it. I truly understand. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.